We are in the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel. If you are wondering where in the word Bill English and Carmen LaBerge are today on Mornings with Carmen, we are in the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel. Uh, Some of you will just immediately recall that that is the chapter of the Bible where the Philistines are encamped on one hill, the Israelites on another. There's a valley between them. Uh, The champion, whose name is Goliath, a man from Gath, uh, he was huge, six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet, uh, a coat of scale armor that weighed 5,000 shekels. So he was a big man with big, heavy armor. Um, He had had, uh, his arms and his legs were covered. He had a bronze javelin slung across his back. What was uh, notably not covered was his face. And... Um, David, you will recall, was like literally a shepherd. Um, he was the eighth son of Jesse, and um, he was young. And so he had been anointed by the prophet, uh, and he had been tending the sheep, and he comes uh, to the battle uh, to deliver snacks, really, like, right? And then um, he's like, why is everybody so terrified? That guy is he God's not on his side. God is on our side. And so that guy can be overcome. So Bill English, uh, why don't you pick up that ball and take it from there? Yeah. And that is because of his training as a shepherd before he was even uh, anointed, right? Because God helped him kill a lion, at least one that we know of, and one bear that we know of, right? It may have been multiple. And so even as a as a uh, young teenager, out by, on his own, by himself, he is killing predators that can easily kill men, right? Like, you know, we have, have you ever been to Yellowstone? I, I've been there. Have you ever been there? I have, yeah. Yeah, and, and they tell you don't go near the bears. And the reason for that is because the bears can kill you. Right. David kills the lion and the bear. And I think those are probably more formidable predators against man than Goliath was against David. And I think David was the only one who saw that. So when we think about the way that the enemy prowls around our life, um, Scripture uses that, you know, right. It's prowling around like a like a hungry lion looking to devour us. Yep. I do think that there are people who operate in fear much of the time, um, failing to be adequately prepared to take on what other people see as giants, and uh, and also failing to see the uh, the hugeness of God. So um, this is about perspective. Part of this is about perspective. So how is David's perspective just so radically different than the perspective of others around him at the time? You know, this is speculation on my part because the scriptures don't actually say what I'm going to suggest. But I'm going to suggest that God, that David relied on God and knew God uh, would save him after he killed the lion and the bear. His, his perspective on God got a lot bigger. And God became bigger in his, in his view of God. And so when we look around our lives, what is our actual view of God? Is God big enough to bring revival to America? For example, you know, John sixteen thirty two. ask me, this is the Bill English paraphrase now, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it, right? And is our faith in God, is God big enough to really accomplish that? And is our faith deep enough and strong enough 
to say, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to ask for something that's very much in accordance with God's will, and we're just going to know that he's going to do it. We're, we're just going to bank on that, right? And I, I just wonder how many of us have that kind of faith, and have we let God take us through those kinds of trials so that we have that kind of faith? Um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I think that the question of whether or not my faith is actually in just in the God who is as big and great and extraordinary and unimaginable as the one who has revealed himself in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, um, or is my faith in some smaller God? Have I reduced God in in my thinking to something that I can manage or to something that I can fit into a slice of my life? Versus understanding that God is God, and I am operating in his universe, and I am operating, uh, you know, uh, my next breath, the the beat of my heart is completely and utterly dependent on God's sovereign, sovereignty and his grace. And, um, and, and so is the day ahead of me, and so is my family, and so is my work. So when you talk to and think about business owners and people who operate in that, uh, in those spheres of influence— I'm wondering, Bill, if um, if you've encountered people who see the giants in the world and in the workplace and don't recognize that those giants, um, which seem insurmountable, are also subject to the sovereignty of God if we would put our faith in him. Yeah, you know, that that is a great, great point. In fact, I, as you were writing, I was writing on a post-it note and here, focus is greater than is more on danger. I think a lot of times when we don't have faith, it's not because we don't believe theologically that God is the ultimate, that God is great, that God is the almighty. It's just that we're focused more on the danger and we don't see the danger being under the sovereignty of God himself. And this is where, um, boy, you know, it's at least, uh, you, you know this, Carmen, it's at least a couple dozen times in the scriptures where God is portrayed as either using evil for his purposes or being completely sovereign over evil in such a way that evangelicals kind of squirm a little bit, you know. And, and we talked about that last week, God sending the demonic forces on Saul in order to torment him, right? And the evangelicals have a problem with that. Uh, but that's clearly what the Bible says. The danger is under the sovereignty of God. I would rather have a God that is completely sovereign over all of evil as well as all good as opposed to having a God that just allows evil but is sovereign over good. To me, that's I, I would rather have the former than the latter. Yeah, and I think that the contest in my, you know, in my own heart and mind um, is that sometimes it seems to me that God is out of control, and really what's going on is God is just out of my control. And instead, I need to get myself back in last week's lesson of submission, um, submit myself to the Lord my God, because he's going to give me his perspective on the giants of the day, and he is ultimately going to help me um, overcome them one way or another. So let's have the overcomer uh, conversation when we come back. Uh, I'm talking to Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com. He and I are talking about the leadership lessons that we can learn from the life of David. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Bill English, you can find him at BibleAndBusiness.com, where you can also find the series of conversations that we're having on these leadership lessons we can learn from the life of 
David. We are today in 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're talking about Goliath. Um, and before we move on to the reality of uh, of how God helps us to overcome and how Christ is the overcomer, Bill, I'm wondering if we can um, complete the con- the part of the conversation about this this constant thorn in the side because the Philistines don't go away. No, they don't. And that the the, the Philistines, I think, are a picture of Satan in our lives. Uh, the Philistines are always going after the Israelites. They are always tempting them to uh, worship other gods. They're always coming after them uh, militarily and, and presenting a real constant over uh, many decades, uh, really a thorn in their side. It's almost like Paul. Remember Paul in the, in, in the New Testament said, God has given me this thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan. Again, God's sovereignty over evil. This messenger of Satan to, to hone me and what he calls buffet me, to, to refine me. Seems to me that that is a picture of how Satan is with us and how evil is with us as we try to follow God. It's a constant thorn in our, in our side. Doesn't have to overcome us, though. And I think that when we, when we think about Paul, Paul certainly asked, and he tells us, he asked three times for that thorn to be removed, and God did not remove it. And so I, I always find it encouraging to know that, um, because if God was going to do it for anybody, he would have done it for Paul. Like, right. Well, that's the assumption. Such a, such a man of great faith, right? So um, obviously God had a purpose for not taking the thorn away for not alleviating whatever it was that um, the enemy was using to sort of gnaw constantly at Paul. And so when there is something that is persistent in my life, when there is something that um, it, that won't go away, uh, if I can get God's perspective on it, if I can recognize that, yes, this is, this is the enemy, this is um, uncomfortable, it is nagging, but it is not outside of God's sovereignty. So talk with us about this uh, this overcoming, because not only does David defeat Goliath, but it is uh, it is a heroic act of of overcoming. It is. But uh, but I got to ask the question, and this is a really tricky question. It, does God have a purpose in bringing evil into our lives. And I know that some listening to me right now are going to be very upset as to how I phrase that, right? But I have such a strong view of God's sovereignty uh, that that God bringing evil into my life doesn't mean that God is doing evil and the evil doesn't touch him, but he still is allowing it to come into my life. Can God have a purpose for that? Can, in other words, can God use evil to grow my faith in him? I think when you when you look at David and Goliath, da- Goliath is a picture of evil. Uh, he is a persona of evil, and God has used has grown David's faith in him, him being God through the lion and the bear. And now David goes out and, and he's the only one, mind you, he's the only Israelite that thinks he can win. Everybody else on the hill, everybody on the hill uh, who who are Israelites, they all think he's going to get massacred. Right. They, this this young guy is just going to get slaughtered. And he's the only one that goes out there. And the reason that he can overcome is because he has allowed himself to be brought along in this journey of faith by God 
who brings evil into a life in order so that you can learn about the almightiness and the goodness of God. So we have a listener who wants to remind us uh, the story of Job in, in, the, in the context of this conversation. So, yeah, I think that yeah, you know, there, is, there is certainly biblical, yeah, there's certainly biblical evidence um, of the way in which God allows evil to operate um, and influence us. And, and God is, you know, frankly looking for us to have faith in his faithfulness. And that doesn't mean that every day is going to be sunshine, right? I mean, it just doesn't. Um, and so when, um, when again, let's just turn our attention to, to business owners, but also, you know, we're recognizing that everybody who's listening right now uh, is operating in the business of their own life, even if they're not operating as an entrepreneur in a particular business. So when we're talking uh, to people who are facing problems today that seem insurmountable, Mm-hmm. Um, they're facing fear. Mm-hmm. They, um, maybe they're not even sleeping well because of it. They don't see a way out of the mess. What is God's counsel to them, um, from this lesson from the life of David? Well, um, it's, it's, well, let me, let me get to the life of David in a minute. Uh, the, the, where I start with the counsel in those situations is James one, two, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, right? Because you know that the testing of your faith, whatever the trial is, whatever the difficulty is, whatever the insurmountable object is, it is a testing of your faith. And that faith will produce perseverance. And that, and the perseverance, when it's finished, you'll have a maturity on the other side of that trial that you did not have before the trial came. And so when you go back and you look at the life of David, it seems to me that there are two things to look at um, as a as a Christian business owner and being just a regular person. And one of them is as you face this insurmountable problem, if you're waking up with waves of fear and terror at night, if you don't see a way out of this mess, if you don't know how you're going to get through it, that is the time to quiet yourself and turn to the Lord and let him speak into your heart and let him renew your mind and learn to rely on him because this is really about your faith. It's not about the problem that is in front of you. Mm. Yeah, it's it's about the faithfulness of God to to, to ultimately overcome. It is. Um, it is. So this, this whole conversation starts with um, the Philistines imagining and believing that they because of their physical prowess, are going to be able to wipe Israel, well, wipe the people um, off the face of the earth. And that's, um, that's what we would call an existential threat, like the, uh, the threat to their very existence as a people. Yes. Israel, Israel continues to face an existential threat today. I mean, we hear in the headline news about Iran, and Iran views it as it's, you know, one of its reasons for being is to wipe Israel off the map, to push those people into the sea, to, you know, to get rid of Israel. This existential threat to um, to the Jews has existed for a really long time. This is a persistent thorn. Yes. And, and yet we recognize that um, we're not going to operate constantly out of fear of those who would seek to do us harm or do us ill. Instead, we are going to press forward positively as those um, whom God has redeemed and called and equipped to move forward in faith, in his faithfulness, regardless of what happens to me as an individual. Does that kind of wrap it up? 
It does. It's it's a verse I don't like, but do not fear the one who can kill the body. Only fear the mm-hmm. one who can kill the body and the soul. Yeah, amen. Amen. Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. You guys can go to BibleandBusiness.com and grab these leadership lessons from the life of King David. Bill, as always, thank you. We look forward to uh, the next portion of this feast next week. You bet. I look forward to it as well. We'll be right back. The hands of an extraordinary.